Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kylie. Today, my co-host Lance Hahn and I are trying out a little bit of a different episode format where we discuss major news stories from the last couple of weeks. Understanding current events and their implications is a crucial part of engaging with culture. So today, we'll look beyond the headlines to talk about a few major news stories and why they matter. All of that on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, welcome to the Engaging Culture podcast. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and all that good stuff. I'm Brian Kiley, joined by Lance Hahn. I am Lance Hahn and my cell phone. I am reading an article, in case you all are wondering. I'm not simply just Googling around for no reason. I'm just reading an article and catching up on some things that we're about to talk about. And uh, so, sorry about that. Hi, everybody. Good right. to see you. Hi, hey, Pastor we're Brian. Here. So normally on Engaging Culture, we have sort of one topic that carries the whole show. We talk about one issue for about an hour. Today we're trying something different. We're just looking at some things that are in the news yep. and how we can process them and think through them as Christ followers. Because really, that I don't know that this is something we'll necessarily do often, but part of the heart behind this podcast was to help people process sort of what's going on out in the world. And you can do that in a variety of ways, but one of the ways we want to do that is by talking about what's happening in the news. I completely agree with you. And, um, you know, we had been talking about this a little bit, I believe it was yesterday, when we were talking about just the format for the show and everything. Mm -hmm. And um, I, on one hand, um, I understand that there are, you know, for a lot of you, it'd be neat to say, hey, can we dig into one topic for a long time? For others of you, this is super refreshing that you would go, man, can we just hit a couple different things? Um, One thing that it does ping on for me is that I have always had a desire to do a news show from a Christian lens, mm-hmm. which is we're just reading the the newspaper and and looking at it through a Christian lens or a biblical worldview. So this is a little bit of a fun dream of mine. So here well, we go. There you go. You can live out. You're basically you can be Anchorman today with a little bit of commentary. Yes, so that's stay good. classy, San Diego. All right. So first story we're going to look at, I I came across this story from actually a news podcast I listen to every morning. And then I went back and read the story in the publication it referred to. The New York Times just did this huge story on apps and data privacy. And the headline for the story was, your apps know where you were last night and they're not keeping it a secret. Yes. That's it. That was no the way. article I was reading, by the that way. That was the article, just the so you know how prepared we are for the episode. <laughs> like this is fresh out of the oven, thoughts from Lance yes. on this article that he just read. But so the gist of the story was, well, it was captured largely in the headlines. It said how our apps are tracking where we're going creating right. all this different data and data about us, and then that data is being sold. I want to read a couple of paragraphs from the beginning of the article just to kind of set the table for those who maybe are just hearing about this for the first time. So it talks about a, a woman who leaves a house in upstate New York at 7 a.m., travels to a middle school 14 miles away, staying until late afternoon each school day. Only one person makes that trip. Her name is Lisa Magrin, a 46-year-old math teacher. Her smartphone goes with her. An app on the device gathered her location information, which was then sold without her knowledge. It recorded her whereabouts as often as every two seconds, according to a database of more than a million phones in the New York area that was reviewed by the New York Times. While Ms. Magrin's identity was not disclosed in those records, the Times was able to easily connect her with that dot. The app tracked her as she went to a Weight Watchers meeting and to her dermatologist's office for a minor procedure. It followed her hiking and with her dog and staying at her ex-boyfriend's home, information she 
she found disturbing. It's the thought of people finding out these intimate details you don't want people to know, said Ms. Magrin, who allowed the Times to review location data. Like many consumers, Ms. Magrin knew that apps could track people's movements, but as smartphones have become ubiquitous and technology more accurate, an industry of snooping on people's daily habits has spread and grown more intrusive. So, your smartphone knows where you are at all times yes. and is telling people about it. And people, people are buying it. that information. Yes. What, 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 what do we do with this? What do, okay, so l- let me start out about uh, how I think people are going to react to this article or this discussion. There are a couple different personalities here. There are personalities, and I'm just going to sum it up with a, hey, no kidding. <laughs> um, I'm one of those. Um, and then there's the other personality that's going to go, they're what? Like, there are some people that live in a world where they feel like they can hide. I have never been in that world. Mm-hmm. So from my earliest, remember, I started teaching at 16. Yeah. I started teaching adults. Yeah. Well, I was actually doing music publicly before that. Mm-hmm. I've always lived in a fishbowl. I've always felt like I was being watched at all times. So mm-hmm. I'm very used to this. Yep. So this whole idea of, man, the phone knows that you went to the... And then the other thing is that some people, in the way that they live, they live out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other people that live with secrets. Yeah. Um, I'm a live out loud kind of guy. There are some secrets that I have to maintain just because of what I do. Sure. But ultimately, I live pretty out loud. So the idea that someone would go, uh, Lance went to Winco and he bought, <laughs> you know, and they know exactly what I bought, right? They know yeah. that it was um, Fudge Brownie by, you know, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Again. And then, again. <laughs> you know, um, that type of thing. He got gas at Chevron. He got, you know, and it goes on and on. Okay, whatever. Um However, the whole idea that some people think they can live private, mm-hmm. here's the other thing that's ruining me. I watch TV. I watch <laughs> I watch TV. There's fake stuff on TV. I don't know if anybody knew that. What? But um yeah, so like I think I've shared this maybe once before on the podcast, maybe not. But my brother, who is um uh he is uh the right hand man of the district attorney um in a in a in a nearby area is that he goes around and teach and used to teach in the nation on the CSI effect and the CSI effect is that the show CSI mm-hmm. has altered how jury selection goes because people in juries believe that all police departments can do what CSI does mm. and so <laughs> when they say um do you have they give done proof they're going to go, no, because on TV, they would have had DNA. They would have had this analyze, analyzation. They would have had this. And actually, it is wrecking the um, the uh, penal system. Yeah. Because fake stuff on TV, they're saying, if it really happened, you would have all this data. Right. And that actually, they don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. So my, my point in saying all that is, you know, I w- used to watch this TV show called Person of Interest, and it was this computer that just watched everybody everywhere. Mm-hmm. And every, you know, it had access to every camera, and it was tracking you at all times. So because I grew up in Hollywood with this idea that you're always being tracked, I remember mm-hmm. the, sh- the movie Enemy of the State with Will Smith, mm-hmm. and, and th- when the government was again. They could track your cell phone. They could track everything. I've watched movies like, I think it was Minority Report, uh, which was with Tom Cruise. And wherever he would walk, different ads would pop up because he was being tracked and his particular interests were showing up on ads wherever he would move. Right. Uh, Okay, that stuff doesn't exist yet, per se, not in mass use. It's pretty close. (laughs) It's pretty close. But that's what I'm saying is I lived that about 10 years ago. Right. And so the fact that it's showing up now... You kind of go, oh, well, that's late. Mm-hmm. Okay, for 
the huge majority of people, this is horrifying, scary, and oh no, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. give us a read on what you think yeah. it means. Well, it's... It, I think you and I, you especially, have lives that are a bit more public than the average right. person. I mean, we're not like you know international you know, figures or whatever, but right. you know we get up in front of people. People know who yes. we are, and sort of being in the public eye is just sort of there are benefits and challenges that come yes. with that. And I think, as you stated, we're sort of used to it. But I guess, and and I know there are different different people by personality, disposition, whatever, fall in different places on how much they value their personal privacy. Yes, um, I value my privacy in the sense that. Um, you know, I don't want people intruding physically on my space or things like that, but I guess I've just sort of lived my life for the last, you know, while sort of believing that privacy is something of a myth in the 21st Absolutely. century. That's how I've lived. That like you might be at home on your computer and no one else is around, but like that information of like what websites you're visiting, I don't even mean like bad websites, just anything, whatever websites oh, yeah. you're visiting, like that information is pretty readily available to people with a little bit of skill and people who, yes. who want them. And, and we see evidence of, of course, the fact that we're being tracked all the time. Like I, like, you know, I think like a lot of people, I have to think through before I start to research a product on the internet, like that I'm thinking about purchasing, yep. I just have to decide, am I willing to see ads about this for the next three months? Yep. You know, like, and I wish there was a way I could inform, you know, the advertising overlords. Like I already bought a coffee pot. I don't need more ads for more. I'm not a coffee pot collector. I just got my one. Right. But the reason right. why we see those ads is because, oh, this is a guy that clicked on the link who da 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 da. So I guess I've sort of accepted the fact yes. that that's just how it is. And to a similar degree, I've accepted the fact that there are people who have a vested interest in knowing where I go and where I spend my yes. time because they want to sell me stuff. That's and, it. Okay. Like, yes. I, you know, I just sort of live with that. Now, are there, should this, this level of access to data and the sense that our data is being tracked and then sold? Yep. I mean, does that freak you out in any way? So should we be concerned about that, do you it, think? It doesn't because it's all about greed. Um, and, and what I mean by that is it's all tied to financials and mm-hmm. financials don't impress me. I don't really care because here's, here's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, this has always been a possibility. Yeah. Um, back in the forties, you just had to pay someone to follow someone. Yep. Right. I mean, you can always have somebody <laughs> followed and they can know what's going on in your personal life. Yep. This is just easier mm-hmm. and it's faster and more people are doing it. And it's it, it, to them, it's cost effective. They don't have to hire a private investigator to track you around. They can just open up a website and they know exactly where you've been. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is all tied uh, primarily to finances at this juncture. Now, that does not mean everyone. I would say, you know, maybe 95 percent is used for sales. Right. That's really what it's for. So, for example, um, and, and just in case you guys are wondering about how they're tracking and everything. So on your cell phone, they have things that are called location services. Mm-hmm. And some people have their location services turned off. Some of them have them turned on. Sometimes it's only turned on for certain things and not other things. Um, maybe you don't even realize it. But when you take a photograph on a smartphone, it actually embeds mm-hmm. where that picture was taken. So yeah. it can later on, you go, oh, that's really cool. It said it can organize your photos. And you went, oh, those were all from Santa Barbara. How do you think they know they were from Santa Barbara? <laughs> you think they scanned your, you. They're tracking you. So the other thing is I was listening to Pandora. If you guys are familiar with the, the music streaming service Pandora, it's mm-hmm. similar to Spotify, things like that. And all of a sudden, William Jessup University 
uh, ad came on. Yeah. Well, how the heck did they know that I'm super connected to William Jessup University? Yeah. Come on. They know exactly where you're at. They know what you're doing. They know all the same habits. So everything is being tailored. Um, anytime that you're online and you go, it is so weird that that ad keeps trying to sell me men's jeans. Why wouldn't they sell me women's jeans? I'm a dude. You know, like, how do they know I'm a dude? Mm-hmm. They're tracking you. Yeah. That's why it's all happening. So this whole business um, is that 95% of it is financial. Mm-hmm. Here's the challenge for me. The only concerns I have is a 5%. And the 5% is once you are marked out as someone that they want to affect mm-hmm. and it is a nefarious organization or it is an organization that goes against your core beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they have the ability to do the same thing. Yeah. So they can alter things for you. They can track your movements they can make sure so if you've ever gone through history i think that a lot of history buffs get a little bit nervous about this Mm -hmm. because this is of course how um if things change with government this is where government conspiracies come in right right? that if if you become let's say christians become public enemy number one Mm -hmm. because of a variety of things all of a sudden they can track they know who the christians are they can find out where you are and they'll track you um now that paranoia there's some people that just live in that paranoia um that has not been a big deal here in america uh yet Mm -hmm. could it be a probability of course yeah yeah. So, what yeah, are your thoughts? Certainly could. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think that if if things were to go to a more you know totalitarian direction, yeah. you know, government wise, like if the man in the high castle becomes reality, yes, <laughs> then it then it's an issue. But um, again, I just sort of go back to what I said earlier, which is kind of. Stuff about you is just known today. It just yes. is, with technology being what it is. So uh, I think it's just something for all of us to think through. It's just the reality that hey, whatever it is we're doing. People can know about it. Yes. And in a sense, and I don't mean to get all weird about it, but it's like, okay, as Christ followers, we live our entire lives before God. Yeah. Where can I hide? He's always been working. Where can I I hide from your presence? And I don't mean to paint God like big brother, because I don't think we're supposed to think of God in that that manner. But the fact of the matter is, we live our lives before God constantly. Yes. Right. And- that what this is doing is essentially saying, well, guess what? Now we are living our lives before one another. Now, yes. those one another's may have may just want to sell us something. They may have more nefarious interests in play. But the fact is, we know as Christ followers, our lives were never entirely our own to begin with. Now, yes. I trust God to look at every element of my yes. life and where I'm going more Not than my I neighbor. trust, you yeah. know, the 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 app that I gave my location to just because I wanted, you know, curated, you know, events to look at. Yes. But you know, on some level, I think that we just need to get over the idea that our lives are private and just live like they're not. Yeah, they're not. I, I think that uh, another area that this gets a little bit uncomfortable is when someone can make money off your embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When people can make money. So, for example, if you look at my laptop, I have a square posted over my camera. Mm-hmm. Now, that is because I watched the movie Snowden. Just, just <laughs> pointing that out. Um, and I had it before that. Am I super paranoid? No, I'm just very aware that at any moment someone can remotely turn on my camera. Yeah, I tried the other day, and all I got was the back of a sticky note. Yes, you no. did, and it was a blue sticky note because it's on my computer. Um, because that is just simply a reality that people can turn on the camera. Now, once again, watching you, causing, you know, and then utilizing that for nefarious purposes, that stuff makes me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
number one, we need to be aware that it occurs and then use it wisely, yeah. right? So, for example, leaving your laptop open uh, when you have young children around or whatever mm -hmm. and just leaving it out in the kitchen and assuming that nothing would ever happen mm -hmm. is not wise. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing about you realize a long time ago that when we had homes, people try to go into your home. So you lock the door. Right. You're not going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe people can walk through doors. <laughs> you lock yeah, your door. Good. Yeah, that's good you point. know what I'm saying? So we're yeah. just compensating and adjusting right. for technological advances. Technological advances. There's always been bad guys. Stuff. They yeah. have greater insight and access to you than you thought. Yeah. It is not simply your front door. It is now technologically and cyber driven. Yeah. And I guess there's part of me that I remember when I was listening to the story at first and then reading it, I, I, I was a little surprised by the level of detail that our location mm. is sort of pinging to different uh, different companies like every couple of seconds. But the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized it, it's a little bit naive to not oh, totally. sort of know that that kind of thing is happening. I'm so. shocked only at one thing. People care. Yeah. That is the first thing <laughs> that shocks me like, that they're like, man, I noticed that guy was going to the veterinary clinic. It's like, you're my like, life is not that interesting. It, yeah, that's the thing. You're like, just like, well, it's pretty boring. I so. hope this is being aggregated by a robot somewhere because no <laughs> human should have to figure all this out. And I'm sure it is. So anyway, your phone knows where you are, knows what's going on, and advertisers have access to that data. So if you keep walking by the same store... That's why you keep seeing their ads. And by the way, please do not email us about the mark of the beast and how that suddenly the Antichrist has showed up because of cyber issues. Yeah, that's. Um, I don't think the mark of the beast is in your phone. But okay. Anyway, okay. So that's our first story. So yep. second story was this. This isn't so much a news story as much as it was uh, sort of a report on a particular lifestyle that I thought was interesting. So this is from the Atlantic, and the story is called "The Joy of No Gift Christmas." Now, uh, and it's all about different people who, for one reason or another have chosen to sort of forego gift-giving at Christmas. And for different reasons, some uh, are sort of anti-consumerism, some do it for spiritual reasons, uh, some do it for environmental reasons, all sorts of different reasons why people uh, go about uh, having a no-gift Christmas and celebrating the season in other ways. Now, Lance, you are a known and confessed holiday curmudgeon. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> so when I thought of this, I thought, this is right up your alley. I mean, no-gift Christmas is just a way to enjoy the holidays less you must be all over this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Here's what's funny. I always feel like I need to yell, Max, Max, come here. You know, from like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Grinch. Yeah. And um, okay, so <laughs> here's what's so funny. I am so against this idea, <laughs> um, uh, which ironically, um, because here's the deal. So for example, in the church world, a couple of years ago, I don't know, maybe five years ago or whatever, another wave went through of kind of the same idea. I forgot what it was called. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Advent Conspiracy. Advent That's Conspiracy. Yeah. So that whole idea, hey, you know what we're going to do is we're going to make it more about Jesus and we're going to take out consumerism. And so we're not going to... Okay, that stuff is rough for me. I, 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 have, I honor and respect people that want to do that. To me, it takes out... I understand what it's trying to take out. Here's what bothers me. What I love about Christmas, or I shouldn't say love, what I appreciate about the Christmas season is getting together with people and selflessness. Mm -hmm. And and so what I mean by that is people are buying other people presents. I love that. A lot mm -hmm. of people don't think that way. They just think about themselves all year long. And then one time it's like, oh, I have people in my life and I would love to think through what should I get them? Yeah. So I'm considering them. I'm considering their likes and dislikes. I'm considering. I love that. The whole mm -hmm. no gift Christmas ruins the whole point. <laughs> And listen, if you're concerned about consumerism, you should be concerned about it 24 hours 
365 yeah. days a year because you're being completely consumeristic. So the idea that suddenly it shows up in the holiday. No, it's just that we're doing absurdity <laughs> during the holiday season where we're, you know, it's Black Friday. It's going crazy. It's huge shopping carts. It's OK. Here's the other thing. The fact that your shopping cart is super full either means that there's a gluttony problem, mm -hmm. right? With you have one person, you bought them 42 gifts, or you have a lot of people in your life. Praise the <laughs> Lord that you have that many people in your life that you get to buy presents for. Yeah. So to me, I, I think that the I love the 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 idea of it of going, man, let's purify it and let's just be together and the greatest gift I can give you is my presence, not my presence, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> whatever. Um I, I love the idea of it, but Ah, come on. It, this is another one of those let's try to be counterculture to be counterculture and it doesn't stick and I don't know. What do you what I do just, you think? I, I am just enjoying this so much because we found people who have outgrinched the Grinch. Basically is what's happened here. <laughs> Even when I hear the tone of my voice, <laughs> it's still it's still you're, you know, you're getting really fired up about this though. Well, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's just such a such a Jim Carrey Oh, yeah, you're, I can't you're, believe you're, this is happening. You're feeling the you know, the vibe. Yeah. So okay, so here's the deal. My my thought is, uh, as with most things, uh, celebrate the holiday however you want. Just don't hurt people, kind of sure, thing. You yeah. know. So it's like, hey, if if you and your family come together and you sort of make the decision, like we're not gonna do gifts this year, and instead yep. we're gonna do something else, fine. Like have at it. Uh, I think it is a it is a problem in a couple of ways. Number one, if you're imposing it on people right. who will not be able to see the value in it. That's a real problem. Like, yes. I would not advise a family with young children who, like, their children are around, like, Christmas crazy kids all day, and they're yes. going to tell their kids, well, kids, you know, we're going to have no presents this year because, for you know, for whatever reason, whether yeah. it's spiritual or, or, or whatever the reason might be, I don't think that's going to be healthy. Uh, the only way you get away with that is if it's something that is cultivated in your family all year round yes. where everybody sees the value in it. Yes. And that leads to my second point, which is similar to what you said, which is um, that I think we focus so much on consumerism this time of year. But I mean, if I splurge and buy something expensive in February. Right. It's the same thing. I don't know that that's any different. It's not any different. There's just fewer people doing it. Totally. So, um, when we get ahead. a bunch of gluttons together, it's awkward. Right. I, we right. just have to spread our gluttons out. Spread, you know what I'm saying? Like spread our gluttony throughout the year for all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a rhyme to go with that. Okay. So, but here, here's a, here's a real question though, because I know that a lot of the stress and negativity of yes. this season does come from consumerism. A sure. lot of the long-term financial challenges of this season come from consumerism. So here, so here we are. Both of us, I think, are on the same page in saying that. Yes. Okay, you know, do what you want, but but the answer is not sort of needless deprivation, essentially. Yep. But how can we go about approaching sort of gift giving in the holidays in a way that is healthy, that is Christ-centered, and that is not ultimately harmful in the way that excessive consumerism can be harmful? Yeah, I think that dialing it back is super legit. So, for example, one of the things that we had done historically with Susie's family is that we drew names. Mm -hmm. So all of us, we had a, you know, we have a couple different siblings and they have kids and we end up getting the whole group together and we say, all right, everyone's going to randomly draw names. That becomes mm -hmm. a fun thing. We all, we're only buying one gift. There's like, 20 of us and you're buying one gift not 20 gifts mm -hmm. and then you hand that gift out and you're thinking about that person you're buying them something unique yeah. and then everybody gets a gift but 
we're not overdoing it. You know what I mean? There's yeah. been seasons where like with my brother or my sister, we knew that somebody was struggling financially mm-hmm. and we said, hey, guys, we're not doing any gifts this year. Mm-hmm. Like like to try to let them off the hook. Right. Going, we're not going to buy you. You don't buy us. We'll just let mom, you know, because our mom likes to be generous. So right. listen, she's going to bring some gifts. We don't need to be doing that. Um, so I, I think there's absolutely a million reasons when you should curtail it or shut it down for a time. But I'm just talking about the general feeling of, I don't like how Christmas is going. I'm going to derail it mm-hmm. for everybody else and, and impose my, my view on everybody else. Yeah. Uh, that's the part that frustrates me. Yeah. But I'm very much um, in favor of practical ways to kind of bring it down. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we try to outdo ourselves hmm, um, every good. year. And that escalation, I think, is super unhealthy. Yeah. I think that if we de-escalate and we get a little bit more about, what about creativity? Can we do creative Christmas? Which means that instead of just dollars, it's I've thought about you a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get you something really, really creative mm-hmm. um, that's cheaper. I think that is beautiful in the sense of it's not as much consumerism. It's much more designed for the person, yeah. and it's personable. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. What, yeah. Do you have any practical yeah. ideas? Uh, a couple. is I think number one is that ultimately for sort of – you talked a little bit a minute ago about the need to outdo each other or yes. outdo ourselves or whatever the case may be. I, I think that gets real dangerous real quick. And, and yes. I think especially there's a lot of pressure, I think, for parents – to say, oh, I need to make sure my kid gets, you know, a certain level of gift, even right. though that means I'm going to be in credit card debt and paying it off yes. until, you know, August of next year. Super dangerous. And and that's, you know, that's a bit of an extreme example, but it does happen. So so I think there's an extent to which we need to recognize that that ultimately our parenting of our children is not defined by how much money we spend on them nope. at Christmas. And that just because kids are getting, th- you know, our kids' classmates are getting certain gifts or they're they're giving gifts at a certain standard uh, doesn't mean we have to. And right. first of all, it doesn't even necessarily mean that they can afford them. They may be going into that sort of debt that is yes. going to stay with them for a long time. And and I think that you need to take a long view of the health of your family yes. and realize that if, if Christmas becomes about spending more money than you can afford, then that creates so many challenges, financial stress all year long. Yes. It, it accustoms your children who are very impressionable to a certain standard. Yeah. Um, I think that it, I think there's a balance between, I, I mean, I love being able to give gifts to my children. It's fun. But then at the same time, taking this time to help them see the beauty in giving to others and that this is a time for us not just to think about ourselves. Yep. So I think you got to balance all of that stuff with, you know, receiving. And, and I think there, and I also actually, actually, I think there's something to be said for learning to receive graciously as well. Yes. That when a gift is given to not oh my gosh, you shouldn't have. Or to not feel like, oh gosh, they gave me a gift. This probably cost $50. Now I need to make sure I give them something that costs $50. Right. Like, no, actually, a healthy, mature person, when they give a gift, all they want is for that gift to be received with gratitude. Yeah. So there's something to be said for learning to receive as well. Um, I think it might be healthy in your next uh, gathering, Christmas gathering, like with family and stuff, just even have the conversation. Yeah. Hey, guys, what do you guys think about this? Yeah. I mean, um, because you're going to start hearing different people's hearts on mm-hmm. the matter. And maybe everybody will collectively kind of go, you're right, we're kind of trying to outdo ourselves each right. time. And that's probably not healthy. A um, uh, couple other practical things just to give yeah. to everybody before we move off this yeah. one. Um, one of them is sometimes you may be able to redesign it and say, hey, this year we're just going to buy family presents. 
meaning we're going to do a family game. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this where we all open it together and it's for us to have community together. I think that being wise with your gifts yep. um, that creates community and relationship as opposed to isolation is probably wiser. Smart. So that's yeah. one thing. The other one is something that Susie um, brought into our marriage uh, along the way. I'm not even sure how it happened, uh, but it's brilliant and it's that we save for Christmas all year long. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because of the fear of debt, mm-hmm. and the um, we know we're not going to have the money when it gets to the end of the year. That we have it put away in a money market account where it's little bits of money, and we're just saving it throughout the year. So it's a little bit, little bit, and it's compiling so yep. that once we get there, we actually have it set aside so that when we're shopping, we're going, oh, we have something to draw from. Yep. Um, and then that releases a lot of the tension of, oh, the debt load. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, we do the same thing. I think it's it's huge. I couldn't imagine coming into this season and like, okay, I'm not, we're just going to have this new huge expenditure when you talk about gifts for everybody. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's I mean, yep. it's hard enough putting away money each month and like not overspend anyway. Yes. It's just, it's a... It's a challenge. So, so that this all begs the question: uh, Are you done with your Christmas shopping? Do you have you have a lot left to do? Uh, I am completely done, and that wow. is because I only buy for one person. Oh well, my wife. That makes it easy. My wife ends up doing all the shopping for all the kiddos and everything else. Now I go with her, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, but I'm moral support. I'm no brains <laughs> in the operation. Let's be very clear. You mean you're not the one picking out the gifts for your teenage daughters? Uh, no, <laughs> I am Tonto who's going, yes, Kimosabi, absolutely, good idea. Um, yeah, no, my wife is driving the train, and I'm merely on the train, and so I'm moral support. I'm also bag-carrying guy. There you go. That's the other thing it's, that I do. It's a good, I good drive report. her there, I carry her bag. Basically, I'm like a chauffeur <laughs> and a pool boy, I think is really what I've become. All right. Wow. Well, but no, I am, I'm certainly. go. Yeah, so I'm certainly not any of the mastermind of this operation. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, I'm good. As long Are as you, you done, know your, by the way? As long as you know your role. Well, I... My wife had this idea that she wants us, with the children's help, to get us get each other uh, like stocking stuffer type gifts. Yeah, we've already got the kids, you know, different things for yes. their stockings and whatever. So she had this brilliant idea. She said she actually sprung this on me at church on Sunday. She's like, "Hey, after church today, the boys and I are going to go out and get you uh, some things for your stocking, and I want you and the boys to go do that for me." Yep. All right. So I got to figure that out. And yeah, we 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 are still in that era. Yeah. I I have purchased, but still, once again, it's for Susie. Yeah. There you go. So I purchase some things for my girls to give, and then sometimes they just reject them. They're like, "No, Dad, we'll go <laughs> no, get our own." That's 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 unacceptable. Yes. Can't can't do that. And then also, uh, so our main gift. You talk about gifts that bring engagement yeah. and family stuff. I mean, you know, anybody that knows me knows we're a huge uh, basketball family. Yes. And we have this like lame basketball hoop from when the kids were small out in our front yard. And the neighbors have a decent hoop. We use that, but we're getting a like nice legit basketball oh. hoop that is now sitting half constructed in my next door neighbor's yard. And he and I are going to hopefully finish it tonight. <laughs> so that's, that's very like cool. my like Christmas anxiety is like rising over. Like we get closer to Christmas and the hoops not put together. I'm like, I'm on, oh no, what if it doesn't work? What happens? We got to get it together. So anyway, I would be experiencing the joy of no gift Christmas if we didn't do that. But yes, I'm looking forward to the joy of hopefully. Good job. Very impressive. Hoop. So anyway, that's what I, that's what I got. All right. So we got apps and data privacy. We got no gift Christmas. Now this next story is, is pretty wild and it is developing. It's been on the front page of all sorts of different newspapers and websites over the, over the last couple of days. But that is a 
This feels like a huge left turn. This has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. But uh, there is a huge story right now about uh, Russian involvement in our social media, in particular Russian involvement in the 2016 uh, presidential election. I mean, it's now, I mean, we've known for a long time that Russia got involved in the presidential election, tried to meddle, uh, you know, sow discord, things like that. We're now a new report that was given to some intelligence committees in the Senate are showing us the extent of that uh, dif- disinformation. We now know that there's a, a Kremlin-backed group called the Internet Recent Re- Research Agency that has sought to sow discord in the United States by creating fake accounts on lots of different social media platforms, and then using those accounts to create content aimed at dividing America and promoting the causes that they wanted to advance. And the key part about this is they are not obviously Russian. They are posing as Americans. Right. You wouldn't know that it's a Russian website. Yeah. Uh, There is a lot of craziness about all of this. First of all, just that, again, these are Russian operatives posing as Americans. Uh, And second, they have been unbelievably successful uh, in sowing discord in the United States and increasing tension in gaining massive audiences for uh, their posts. Now, I think this would be worth talking about just with all of that information. Yeah. But what to me makes this extra relevant to us, to our listeners, to our church, to just any, you know, people of faith is that one of the main tools they used to divide people was faith. In fact, uh, a one Insta- fake Russian Instagram account was even called the army of Jesus Yep. and posted all these, like, like I'm looking at it right now. There's this Instagram post where it's like two pictures side by side of like, white cartoon Jesus and one has a circle with a line through it and it basically says like if you like if you agree keep scrolling if you don't and something you know it's these sorts of things that are just getting people riled up about different stuff so um anyway the whole story is is crazy and what's another thing that's crazy is that if you've been following the news you know that different social media platforms have been trying to crack down on ad ad transparency so when people are spending money on ads they want us to know who is spending this money. But what they found is that actually organic posts created by these fake sites that were then liked and shared by people like us have had the most success. And again, these are posts that are largely fake, so they're not real. This is legitimate fake news. And uh, even when they're not fake, they're inflammatory, meant to sort of rile people up and make people mad. What, what, I mean, what do you you make of all of that, Lance? Um, Okay, so uh, I'm going to kind of jump all over the place. But, okay, so the first thing, and and I want to be very cautious on this because I will end up accidentally doing the very thing that I do not want to do. Yeah. And that is this. This reminds me of the satanic sowing of discord. Mm. And what I mean by that is when Jesus told parables and he's like, hey, an enemy sows in and he makes the wheat. The, the bad stuff look just like the wheat. And when he sows all those things, they all grow up the same. It's the mm-hmm. wheat and the tares parable. Mm-hmm. And the tares are basically weeds. Yeah. And, and it says an enemy has done this. And you can't tell until they're fully formed which is the wheat and which is the weeds. Mm-hmm. And so it basically you're doing it to ruin someone else's crop. Yeah. And it's so insidious and mean. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's how Satan always works is that what he tries to do is worm his way in, kind of masquerade as an angel of light, and then, boom, he gets to be able to take some people out. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, what I did not say is, oh, my gosh, Russia's satanic. That's not what I said. (laughs) 
All right. So let's be real clear on this because I want to wind around to the fact that Russia's in the story. I want to be very careful of what we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. but here's here's the other thing that was super uh, bothersome to me, and I think you and I have talked about it ad nauseum on this show, which is that Christians are so easy to manipulate, yep. especially by fear yep. that that even an outside agency can go if you really want to screw things up. Just go grab the Christians. They'll buy anything. Mm -hmm. And that they're the ones that can carry out our business for us. Mm -hmm. All we got to do is get a little thing rolling and they'll run with it. Right. Right. So I'll create a fake news source, throw it to the Christians, have it fear mongering. The Christians will grab it and they'll make it go viral. Yeah. Okay. The fact that we can be so easily used Mm -hmm. is embarrassing and makes me angry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that, that that's just kind of like radiating out of this story right. for me, and I'm having a hard time kind of getting past it. Yeah. Um, so can I ask you something yeah. about that then, real quick? No. So so I, obviously I agree. Uh, now here here's a, a a challenge that I've had is I'm trying to like you know that I care a lot about sort of fake news versus real news, yes. and, and and it really bothers me as you've just articulated that that Christians seem susceptible to falling for believing and ultimately liking sharing. Fake yes. news. That's a real problem. And I think the the, right. the the reason it's a problem is because it is a poor representation to a watching world of, yes. of who Jesus is, what the gospel is, and, and all of that. Yes. And fake news is not the same as biased news. Right. Fake yeah. news is different. Season one, episode eight. We did a whole episode on yep. fake news, real news, how to tell the difference. So, but here's, here's the thing, is that I don't think it's enough to just say that, oh, well, uh, fake news is bad, inflammatory stuff is bad, don't share it. Because nobody is at home saying... Well, yeah, I just fall for fake stuff all the time, and I, I share it around with people. It's just this bad habit I have. I, I don't think a lot of no a lot idea. of us that do it are not self aware enough, or aren't aware that it's even happening. How can we even kind of do the heart level yes. and sort of mind level work to even notice? Yes. Okay, gosh, am I part of the problem? Yes. Um, I think it all goes back to first of all, motive of sharing and sharing it all. I, I really think that it is a Christian responsibility to not share anything that you would not wholly stand behind. Hmm. Um, and so I don't like the idea of sharing, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, I will share y- with you, like, awkward white dad dancing. <laughs> like, a, like I will share something with you because I think it's funny. That just happened 45 minutes ago. <laughs> right, just pointing that out. Um, but when you're talking about something that is about content, philosophy, worldview, when you're talking about belief systems, when you're talking about fear, when you're, when you're involving core emotions, um, I believe it is a Christian responsibility to not share anything without knowing as much as possible behind where it came from. Right. Um, I honestly uh, also just shared with you um, earlier today mm-hmm. um, a podcast from a TED Talk and stuff right. like that. Now, do I know whether or not it's bogus? Now, the TED Talks have a very stringent straining process, so they've done a lot of their examinations. Mm-hmm. I know they're biased in certain ways. Okay. But in analysis and looking in, I had to do a little background research to realize it was legit before I sent it to you. Right. And even then, there's a huge difference between you and I are friends. We know each other very yes. well. Uh, I trust you. You trust me. Right. And you can say, hey, look at this. And I'm looking at this. I'm not looking at it through the filter of Lance endorses every single word of this. And I need to take nope. this as a perfect reflection of his yes. thinking. I know that, hey, you thought this would be interesting for a variety of reasons. Yes. Okay, I'm going to watch it through that lens. Yes. For whatever reason, a lot of times, especially as public figures, yes. when you share things online, yes. people aren't able to sort of 
go through that filter or yes. they might not have a relationship with you yes. where they can trust. Hey, like even I'll give you another example. I was talking to a, an older guy in our, our church who I, I meet with for breakfast every once in a while. And I, I shared with him a, uh, a phrase I've started to use a lot, which is referring to different authors and things as 80, 20 guys or gals where I say 80% tremendous insight. 20% yes. total nonsense. Total nonsense. And like that really opens me up to be able to sort of expose myself to more ideas and say, okay, you kind of figure out what's legit and forget what's not. Now, in personal relationship, I might share something with you that I'd say falls into that 80-20 category, yep. right? Like, you know, you're Absolutely. a smart guy. You can figure out the good stuff. You can figure out yes. the stuff I probably think is bogus, whatever. But if I'm going to share something publicly, yes, that's very different because I can't, I don't, I don't know the people that are going to see it. Yes. And I can't trust necessarily their ability. Their level of filtration. Yeah, all of that. So anyway. No, okay, so I have a question for you. Okay. Um, and it really centers around this story. And I want to get back to the Russia thing. So, uh -huh. for example, we have um, a very high Slavic population right. at Bridgeway. So we have Russians, we have Ukrainians, we have um, even Eastern Bloc. So we have um, Romanians, yep. we have um, Hungarians. Mm -hmm. uh, precious amazing yep. people so when we start throwing around big titles like oh the russians okay can we be right. very careful with that when you start labeling these things so if you grew up in the 80s mm -hmm. the russians were the bad guys then all of a sudden for a long time they became the good guys mm -hmm. and then before that like if you look at world war ii and you're like i remember the first time i ever looked at the game axis and allies <laughs> and i was like what do you mean allies were britain america and russia like when did when were we partners? Because right. that all was during the '80s era, and I was yeah. like, I don't understand. So I was having a really hard time because in that game, talking about World War II, you had Japan and Germany who were partnering together, mm -hmm. and it was like, well, that's not the case now. And so trying to figure out in your worldview who's the enemy, now all of a sudden it's a war on terror. No, wait, Iraq's bad. No, now they're good because we switched this. Okay, so Afghanistan's bad. Wait, are they bad? No, wait, they're good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's so much spinning right. depending on regimes and stuff. So can you clarify for us? I see pictures of, well, Trump wants to meet with Putin. Mm -hmm. um, I see a bunch of different things, and Russia is not on an aggression mission physically to right. where we're seeing them mass armies why do they care can you please help uh, help me understand why they are doing all this because this is a huge cyber strategy yeah and it's very intentional yeah why do they care well and i you it's know so discord and, and, in america and and answering that question i think is a little bit controversial and i think that it, it probably wouldn't you know i'm just a regular private citizen who does not i mean these things are being federally investigated right like the right point we of the, don't really know the whole point of the Mueller investigation is to figure out okay we're the Trump campaign and the Kremlin working together, and if so, to what extent? Like, so yes. these are big questions yeah. that you know millions of dollars is being spent trying to trying to answer that. But clearly, I mean, what is clear from the report is that the Kremlin. So we're not talking about all Russians everywhere ever. Uh, we're talking about the Kremlin, Russian it's a leadership, focused government leadership correct, decision has determined that using their organization, the Internet Research Agency, they have something to gain. And I'm by, just trying to figure out what that right, is. By creating chaos in the United yes. States, they, I mean, clearly were favorable to uh, President Trump and right. were against Hillary Clinton, even yep. in, in primaries, favoring Trump over other Republicans and then uh, going against uh, 
Clinton as opposed to other Democrats. So they, for whatever reason, yes. felt that that was a good idea. Now, uh, I, I think on some level it would be irresponsible for me as a private citizen to sit. I mean, I could speculate, but I, right. I don't think that would be appropriate with, you know, microphones in front of our faces. Well, it creates but, more rumor. Right. But clearly, uh, they believe that they can accomplish something by this. And and I think here, here here's the, the part of this that is, there's, well, many elements of this that are troubling to me. I mean, I, I think that having fake stuff all over the place is a problem. Having a foreign entity that is seeking to sow discord in the United States, whether it's through violence, whether it's through social media, whether it's through uh, regular media, to me is a real challenge. But what is a deeper challenge is that lies don't work unless, A, you're really good at telling them, yep. or B, and, and B, you've got people ready and willing to believe them. Yes. And I don't know. I look at some of these posts that get a lot of traction, and I question whether or not number one is true, because I think some of the stuff that is produced is so obviously, in my, at least to me, fabricated, right. uh, or at least so obviously extreme, even in some cases where uh, they might be advocating a point of view I agree with, like maybe a pro-Christian message or something. It's done in such a bizarre fashion that I'm just like, that, that just rubs me the wrong way. But So whether or not number one is true, what is clear to me is that number two is true, is that we have a society of of, of people who are willing, ready and willing to believe lies that support their point of view and then are willing to spread those lies around to inflame tensions. Now that to me is the big problem of this story. Is is Russia the disease? I'm not sure they are the disease, to be honest with you. I think they just exposed the level to which we're all infected (laughs) with this willingness to be inflammatory, which to me is a real problem. Yeah. I. The very idea... Of sowing discord, division, sowing hatred, sowing anger, stirring up the pot for nefarious purposes or Mm -hmm. selfish purposes is demonic. Um, And I don't mean like there's a demon behind every rock. I just mean it is in alignment with the nature Mm -hmm. of how Satan has revealed himself. Mm -hmm. It's something that he would do. And it is is evil. Um, Now... Like you said, I get, you know, we can't speculate and we can't, you know, I don't, I don't really know that, like you said, there's, there's government officials that are on the inside yeah. and they know exactly, they shouldn't know exactly, but <laughs> let's they, hope they know exactly. Well, they know exactly kind of what the strategy is. Yep. Um, and, and I think that you are wise in trying to keep us on track with saying, okay, but the strategy's working regardless of why. And that's a problem. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that that's a fair place to stay. Yeah. Um, but it does it does really agitate me because I always want to know kind of the, the motivation. Oh, I wanna, sure. I want to know what's going on because then you reverse engineer it to go back to saying, okay, then if they're doing it for this reason, then they may well start to manipulate this area and I don't want to fall for that. Yeah. You know, like I'm trying oh, to yeah. project out. Yeah. But if I don't know the motivation, I don't know where they're headed. Yeah. Um, if it's, Hey, I'm just going to generally like separate people that like Disneyland and people that don't like Disneyland. I'm going to generally separate, you know what I mean? Like how, what are the, what is the disruption that's trying to be caused? Is it, I'm trying to make America a less joyful place. Mm -hmm. Is it, I'm trying to, I really want their territory. So if they're in chaos, I can take them over. Is that, you know, like what's the motive once we, you know, so I can't. I can't jump ahead and make any good decisions on what do I need to watch for in my in bin? Mm -hmm. What do I got to watch for on the newscast? What do I got to watch for? But I do know they're out there. Yeah. 
So the only answer that we have is we have to dig in and figure out if something is legit. Right. And there are times when that is difficult. Yes. But more often than not, it's pretty easy. Uh, Most of the time, things that are inflammatory uh, are either not legit at all or are made not for the purpose of information or the purpose of persuasion or the purpose of promoting deeper understanding, but generally it's created for the purpose of demonizing and dividing. But organ- right? but organizations have always worked off inflammatory. Right. Yeah. Right. I the- mean, whether it is Voice of the Martyrs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's yeah. a great organization. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, as far as I know, I mean, I don't know the, the organization personally, but I, I, I was around a household that supported them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jews for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of organizations out there, and the stories that they're sharing, they're going to go. Listen, we're just telling you true stories. Yeah, we're just telling you story, and you go. It's inflammatory. Yeah, like it's supposed to move you to right. do something. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Well, if the story is inflammatory, it's probably bogus. And you go. Well, most of the stuff that we operate on is inflammatory. Channel Three News is trying to be inflammatory, right? Because that's how they get attention. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that maybe inflammatory is not the right word because you're right. In t- at times, reality is inflammatory. Reality and that's is just, inflammatory. It is what yeah. it is. But I, I think it's, it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having trouble articulating what I'm trying to say. But I think there's a difference, for example, between the way that a legit newspaper yes. might cover a, a controversial subject. Yes. Which they may very well may have a have an agenda. They may very well may have a, yes. a bent to them. For sure. Right? Particularly in the opinion, the opinion section, which yes. like that's the whole point. They're not like the opinion section is not where you're trying to be fair. You're trying to make a point. But anyway, um, but there's a difference between how like a legit network is going to cover something and then how like a hyper partisan, you know, like we're not even trying to tell the truth here right. sort of sort of entity is going to address something. There's just going to be a pretty fundamental difference there. That's good. So for those who would say, okay, I don't want to be influenced by inflammatory mm-hmm. content. I don't want to be influenced by things that are going to be just sowing division, even if I'm passionate about issues, which right. I think you and I are both passionate about different things. How can I prevent myself from being influenced by this sort of content if these reports are true, which they are true, but I mean, they're saying this stuff is everywhere and it's very pervasive and millions of views and different, you know, tens of thousands of fake accounts. How do I prevent myself from sort of falling under its spell? Yeah, I, I honestly, that's a question for you to answer, but I think that you answered it so sufficiently in our, what did you say, season one, episode eight? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, I think that was the episode. I mean, that where we were going through and we were saying, listen, there is actually an ability to figure out this is an organization that's attempting to be bipartisan. This is a organization, news organization that's attempting to stick to facts. This is because nobody's doing it perfect. Yep. yep. Uh, nobody's even trying to do it perfect. But there's some people that that take journalistic integrity seriously. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones you want to hover around. Right. As opposed to, hey, what fits your current worldview and how do you keep reinforcing that? Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't matter. You don't even see it as inflammatory. You just see it as more evidence. Yep. And and so I think that that's the danger. Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah. I know we're going to go to the fourth story, but do, right. do you have any insights on that? Well, I think that that we have to understand that to a, to an important degree, we have the ability to sort of curate our own online experience, and by that I mean we have some say in what we 
what we see and what we expose ourselves to online. Yes. So uh, the pages we like, the people we follow, uh, whatever the case yeah. may be on you know, Facebook, what are you Twitter, building? Instagram, yeah. you have an ability to determine what you're going to see. Now, are you going to see ads? Are you going to see things like that? Uh, yes. Sure. And you can't control that. But there are things that you can do to prevent yourself from seeing garbage. Yes. And, 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 and there's actually two, two points I want to make. You can present, prevent yourself from seeing garbage. So like a personal policy I have is that if somebody shares fake news on Facebook, I unfollow them. Like that's pretty much the end of it. Like if you're going right. to share fake things, we might be friends in real life, but I just don't need to be present. I just don't need my eyes looking at that. And frankly, if it's somebody I like, I'm like, I don't want to have my opinion of you spoiled Ruined. by the fact that you share like hyperpartisan fake stuff or whatever. So that's a, that's a personal thing that I do. And the reason I do that is in part to prevent myself from being uh, exposed to information that is going to affect me negatively. Uh, and then the other side of it is just knowing what you can handle emotionally. Uh, you might present yourself, you might read stuff that is fairly fact-based a lot, but it causes a lot of agitation to you. And because you, you're becoming agitated, you're becoming more likely to be inflammatory, to say things online that are not helpful and to sort of participate in kind of the, the rage cycle that our society seems to perpetually be in. And I think we each have some measure of responsibility to sort of check ourselves and limit what we're exposing ourselves to so that we're not being influenced by forces that are going to cause us to be part of the problem. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I would just say this as we uh, close out on that piece, which is we we need to architect healthy inputs with media. Yep. And, and what I mean by that is you go with trusted sources, you make that your primary, and wherever you have a one-sided area, mm -hmm. uh, let's say you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm Fox News, mm -hmm. or I'm this, or what, and I really love that host. Mm -hmm. Okay, whenever you have one of those, grab the other side and have mm -hmm. one stream coming in from the other side to balance it out. Mm -hmm. You know, grab BBC, grab something else, NPR, stuff like that, where you're going to go, I'm going to grab something else that's going to curtail that if indeed they start getting off a little bit, I'm also going to have somebody else getting off a little bit on the other side, mm. and I'm going to start being able to critically think through this. Mm -hmm. See, okay, and here's where I'm going to push back on that yeah. a little bit: is that like I get that perspective. Yeah. Like, hey, if you're going to read, if you're going to listen to Fox News, you should probably mm -hmm. listen to like Huffington Post as well, which I would right. view those as roughly ideological counterweights. Right. Like, Fox News is pretty far right, Huffington Post pretty far left. Yes. Um, I actually don't think people should do that at all. No good. I think you should get your news from sources that are actually trustworthy, that are actually yes. seeking to tell the truth in a somewhat, nobody's perfect, but a somewhat nonpartisan fashion. Now, with that said, I read Fox News somewhat regularly, but mm -hmm. not to get news. I right. read it because I know that's what everyone else is reading, and I yes. want to know what everyone else is reading too. Yes. I, I don't know why I occasionally read Huffington Post. Nobody, no, Christians don't read Huffington Post, so it's not like, hey, I just need to stay up with what you know our congregation's reading. Like, No, that's not actually what's going on at all. But I think just to get so the broad spectrum, but I'm able to filter and know, okay, neither of these organizations are organizations I'm trusting to really tell me the truth. So I think rather than just saying, hey, let's get two counterweights, let's try to find organizations that are going to tell us the truth and then maybe engage with the the the, the, the kind of the more – fringe is too strong a word, but the more partisan or biased sources mm -hmm. just so we can know what else is out there. Ah, uh, see, that's the difference between you and me. What's you uh, Yes. You are an idealist. I'm I a realist. Am. I am. Uh, the yep. realist in me says there's no way in the world anyone's going to do that. Yeah, and so while true. they're doing screwed up things, can we also have them counter it? <laughs> At least because find screwed up things that, that you don't okay, agree but, with. Yeah. So my, my, my point in saying that is a lot of things that are super balanced and really try with journalistic integrity – 
sometimes they're not very exciting to listen to. Yeah, that's true. And so people will tend to lean into a person a personality. Yes. And they're gonna go, I really like that guy yes. or that lady who who's doing thing. Okay, they're gonna naturally do that. Please, if you do that, can we counter yeah. and make sure that you're not only listening and being discipled by one voice? Yes. For a lot of people, the person sitting behind the desk screaming and yelling is very exciting to watch. I, I don't really get that, but right. I see the rating statistics, the so rating I know statistic. I'm in the minority. So, yes. All right, last story. Merriam-Webster Dictionaries came out this year, came out this year, like they do every year, <laughs> came out this week with their word of the year. And the yeah. word of the year, according to Merriam-Webster, is justice which was looked up 74% more in 2018 than 2017. And in their story, they said this, the concept of justice was at the center of many of our national debates in the past year, racial justice, social justice, criminal justice, economic justice. In any conversation about these topics, the question of just what exactly we mean when we use the term justice is relevant and part of the discussion. What does it tell us about the state of society that justice is the word of the year. Um, I, I think that what's happening is that for most people, the word means fair. Hmm. Things are not fair, and when things aren't fair, that's a violation of core value. Yeah. And so I think that people are, are, are concerned and worried, and they want things to be more equitable or fair. Yeah. That there are the haves and the have-nots. There are the um, people taking advantage of other people. There's the um, – and the millennials are rising up. And the millennials have been raised in an atmosphere where they saw an awful lot of that, yeah. and they're sick and tired of it, and they're now starting to have a voice. Yeah. And so as they rise up, the idea of social justice, uh, which means justice for people, mm -hmm. uh, becomes a huge deal. So it's going to be – and they're the ones that are going to be online, so you're going to see the search is really following what is the passion of the millennial generation. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I hadn't really thought about it that – thought about it that way, but I think, I think you're right. Here's my, you know, getting back to the, uh, idealist yes. part of me. This, this is what I hope is that it is certainly true that a lot of stories this year dealt with the word justice yes. in different forms. Absolutely. So there was a Supreme court justice confirmation that was very yes. contentious. And that was a big, uh, a big story. The department of justice has been in the news a lot for a lot of different things, whether it's, you know, the shifting the attorney general to the Mueller investigation to all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. Sure. Uh, Social justice stories are are everywhere. We've had all sorts of stories about racial injustice and and how to kind of counter that and how to how to create a more just society. My hope is that if this word is being indeed searched for online, that really wherever we all land on our opinions of these different issues, I hope that it is just creating a more knowledgeable and less sort of ignorant citizenry, because I think. A population that understands what the Supreme Court is for, for example, is going to be able to have a more reasoned debate about the fitness of an individual to serve on the court. A person who understands what the Justice Department is for is going to be able to have a more reasoned understanding of what the department does and whether or not it's behaving in a way that is in line with our values. A person that understands the, the necessity of racial justice is going to be able to participate in those conversations in a more informed and empathetic manner instead of just sort of speaking from our own perspective. So I like on the one hand, the fact that justice was so popular is a little bit of a bummer because a lot of these stories were challenging in different ways. But it also gives me a little bit of hope that maybe we as a society are trying a little bit harder to understand these things. And yeah. again, maybe that's naive. But. No, I think that that's certainly true. Uh, the, the, the last thing that um, I'll highlight is that two things that you sent to me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was the Verve article. Yep. Um, and it's Verve magazine. Verge, excuse me. Verge Network, uh, I'm, which is I'm a, a so sorry. Christian discipleship That's organization. That's what I meant to say, yep. and I screwed it up twice. Um, yes, Verge. Um, but that article was on, I think it was 18 of the most or new releases. It was their like top 18 books of top, 2018. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they were almost all about social issues, right? So, and it was a lot about social justice and understanding people and everything else. So once again, even the Christian industry or the church industry is very much trying to focus on this stuff too. Yep. Well, at the same time, you also sent me an article about that the person of the year really that's highlighted in a lot of these things were really about justice. So, for example, um, the ladies that came out against Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too movement really rose up and they Mm -hmm. became a focal point because they were all about justice. It was all about, you know, um, something wasn't fair, someone was taking advantage of someone and it needed to be made right. So the people were going to stand up for justice. Mm -hmm. So all, all that is all laced in together that I think that, People are sick and tired of broken systems, mm-hmm. and to that reason, I cheer them on and say Amen. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, and I and and I hope that that uh, that that only continues and then leads us to be able to talk through these challenges. And I think even in the church world, that we're able to really uh, take a hard look at the challenges our society faces and all of these different things, and then have conversations about them, not seeking to advance partisanship or right. you know, ide- even ideology necessarily as much as just trying to get to the bottom of you know what's the right thing to do and how do we love people best and what's fair and just so good there we go all, all right. right well hey that was our run through some uh, significant news stories from the last couple of weeks hope you enjoyed that uh, have a great Christmas we've got our Christmas Eve services 22nd 23rd and 24th sure hope to see you there for one of those you can find more information about that at bridgeway.com church. See you in a couple of weeks for the next episode of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.